Josh Williams here, and welcome to another episode of the One Man Podcast. Uh, it's actually a bonus episode brought to you by Absolute Comedy. And uh, today I'm sitting with a comedian, a great friend, travels all over the world performing on cruise ships. Uh, he's been on Bite TV, he's run many, many successful rooms in Canada. Jason Blanchard is here with me today. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good, buddy. You? Oh, I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on. Is that public domain music? That is actually got the rights. It's the monkey junk. Oh. They are a Juno award-winning blues band. I went to high school with the uh, the lead singer. Okay, I was band. wondering that. When I was listening to your podcast yesterday to do my research before coming on board, I was like, oh, that's awesome music. Yeah, it's they're a great band. I would definitely recommend checking them out. Of course, as everyone's heard me say on the podcast before, but um, I, I got the rights from them. So I have a, oh, I have a license. So And every time I post my podcast on Facebook or YouTube, I immediately get a blah, copyrights claimed and I have to be like, no, I have the license go through the trouble. It's, yeah. Yeah. But it's no, it's not public domain. It's a great tune. You'll, uh, you'll hear the rest of it at the end of the, the podcast. We play the, uh, the back half of that song. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I learned so much with your podcast. Oh yeah. Time. I try to be <laughs> apparently that your doctor and my penis have the same name. Oh, girth. <laughs> no, Dr. Girth. Mine is Dr. a PhD. Oh, yeah. Mine's an idiot. He can't answer any <laughs> questions. He's a mute. Uh, so, dude, we, uh, I mean, it's great to have you on the show. I appreciate you doing this. We worked together last week in we Ottawa. Week. Yeah. And this week you're at Absolute Comedy in Kingston. Absolutely. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, we had a, it was, last night was the Pro-Am night. And with the exception of one individual who was supposed to do six minutes, said he wanted to do eight even though he was told to do six did close to 12 and they had to they had to get him off the stage by cutting his mic and having the guy come on the uh the system in the back room it was awesome yeah how did he think he did afterwards was he was he apologetic for going long or did he think that he was destroying he apparently has no idea the amount of time he's up there and at one point when i was watching him it looked like his eyes were closed so all they were flashing lights they they could have been you know had the runway signal guys with the freaking glow sticks and he wouldn't have seen it <laughs> but he wasn't funny at all like there he was telling a story about a funeral um, and talking to he was doing the the clint eastwood talking to the chair empty chair but he was talking to a stool oh no yeah that's hysterical no it wasn't well, no but it, it, to me in red like to, to think of that situation it's almost like he's doing the uh the the more experienced host thing where you're chasing the first laugh and you're like no, no i'll just do double the time waiting for that laugh, and it never comes never comes that sucks were any of the other acts good yes absolutely man the uh uh, actually, everybody, everybody else had a had a solid set. It was uh, it was always fun for me to watch. I don't get to see that anymore. Because um, when you're when you start headlining and you travel a lot, and the shows that I do mostly on the ships, it's just me, right? So it's fun. Like uh, as long as I'm not hosting, hosting pro am night is n exhausting after a yeah. while. But, uh, up and down, up uh, and down, back yeah. and forth, back and forth from the stage. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. The host gets paid less for that show. And they do more work. Yep. Yeah. As far as, far as Jason's concerned, it's uh, no, it's the same. It's the, the easier show because no. you know you just you're doing less time. It's like no, you're not. You're doing more time. You're doing more, you're doing time. more leg you're work. More, yeah. You you can't relax for a second on the show because every couple of minutes you just turn around. Somebody goes short because they're new. You you so you basically have to be staring at the stage all night. Although I enjoy it because it gives me a chance to just like like you saw, mm -hmm. especially when the host is up. I'm watching the show. I want to see where everything is. And last night Martha was able to find people and I was like, okay, I know what material I'm going to do now. 
And then I can use those people in the room just to have fun with right. without picking on them. There was one woman from Minnesota who was there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know. I got four jokes I'm going to do that I'm not going to make fun of her, but she's in the room. We're going to enlighten her about Canada a right. little bit. That's great. That's always fun. Um, so this is the thing. So, I mean, it's always... Uh, little rougher on the edges getting started but i always ask i my think guests, we've flown into it perfectly oh yeah I, oh definitely it's underway <laughs> we're the fucking an open mic guy does double his time the minnesota woman and we're in kingston right this is actually my first time doing the doing the the, the podcast on the fly I brought it to new york before but that was pre-bent this was me like packing up the podcast stuff and on my way because i'm in toronto this week I'm like, we're stopping. We're doing this podcast. We're on remote. Thing. We're like Johnny Fever on WKRP. That's right. <laughs> Gorilla Radio. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. The um, I, I always ask my guests, of course, first, because uh, the listeners are, are very interested, is um, what were you doing before you started stand-up comedy? Before I was doing stand-up. Actually, at the time I started, I was uh, a sales manager at a Good Life Fitness. Really? We had gone to... What we find out now is uh, being in the business is that when you put those business cards into the fishbowl to win 10 free tickets and you win and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm so lucky. Everybody wins the 10 free tickets. Yep. And so sooner or later, sooner or later. And so it was 2000, it was year 2000, I think it was September. 10 of us went October, 10 of us went November. We did it again. And then I saw, and just early December and I saw uh, this one girl went up. I, I never saw her afterwards. Her name was Shanzi. Okay. And she She's was one, one. She was going up. She was featuring. She was doing like 15 minutes and it was terrible. The poor thing left the stage by saying, well, you guys are all talking. So I guess I should go. <laughs> and I sad. felt so bad for it. And one of my friends is there. He says, man, you could, you could get up there and do that. I'm like, yeah, I could get up there and bomb. Sure. I could. <laughs> and that was, uh, and that was the the catalyst of me calling in and getting in the like I had no idea like I called in and got on the first night that nice. I called in but I went to the two open mics before because uh, being ex military I love my reconnaissance I like knowing what's going to happen yeah right listening to the podcast going to a whatever and uh, it was a it was it was okay my first time but uh, it was it was a weird. There's three people ahead of me. The first guy went up and did all street jokes and then went over his time. And the old manager of that club back then came on and was like, Sir Bomalot, your time's up. Get off the stage. And we're just looks. I'm like, oh my God, there's somebody. Oh, okay. So then the next guy goes up, steals a Glenn Foster joke. Okay. And the manager calls him out on it, which he then argues and they kick him off. And the next up was a, a woman named Christy Chuka who uh, became a friend of mine afterwards. Uh, but she was a new comic at the time, and she had five minutes all on, how come I don't have a stalker? Which, <laughs> I know I don't have a stalker. And so I went up, and I was I was paranoid about that light, man. And so I went up, I prepared all ex-wife jokes. That's all I had, all ex-wife stuff. And I get up, and I, I'm doing it, and then the, the red light didn't come on. And I, I thought I was done. And I was like, okay, so I started a joke that I was working on, and then the light went on and said, but I can't tell you that. Hopefully, maybe next week. Have a good night. And I walk off the stage. Jack Norman was hosting it back then. Okay. Um, I See, everybody has a different opinion on Jack. Personally, I think he's a piece of shit. Um, I only know the name. I don't even know. He's like. just, I, it was just a bully. Okay. So I come off stage and 
it might well i don't think my set went well for my first time it did and so he goes on stage and he goes don't clap don't clap for that piece of shit don't come to my room and tell me it's your first time and lie about that and so now i'm off to the back now i assume a lot of younger comics would have maybe been easier just to sneak out the back well, at this point, I'm 29 years old. I'm four years out of the army. I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing there waiting for Jack. And as soon as he comes out of the lights and he sees me, my arms are crossed, he like stops and I'm ready. I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? I told you that's my first time doing stand up and it is. I've done theater before. And then I got on. Man, Jack put me on for like four <laughs> weeks straight and, <laughs> until he tried to make out with a friend of mine and she slapped him in the face. Uh-huh. And then I could never get on. That was it. That was it for me at Yuck Yucks. Four open mics. That's all I ever worked with them. Okay. Okay. And that was, so that was obviously before Absolute. So when you're like, I was going out, I was watching the amateur night. I was like, are you Absolute? Okay. So that was Yuck Yucks. But in the new Absolute location in Toronto. Okay. That's the, that's the thing. That was. So that's where they were. And so, then they moved. To yeah. The, so yeah, the technically I can call it my home club, even though it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's interesting too, because like a lot of guys, so obviously I did the same thing. I was a big fan of stand up. I was watching the, the amateur nights, although I had no interest in, in doing it at the time. I was just liking to see a different show. I would see the Yuck show, absolute show. And then pro am night was different because it was different comics. Um, but it was the same thing. My friends like, you got to do this. And I, I was no, I wasn't like, yeah, I was like, no, not for, not for me. I go, I get it and I like it, but I'm, you know, but I've talked about this before. My, my listeners know this story. Um, so it's interesting that you were like, yeah, just I won tickets. I enjoyed it. I did it. Because I had never thought. Like at no point in my life, and people have asked you, have you always wanted to be a comedian? It never entered my thought process. It's the same with me. Uh, Fan of it, loves watching it, but never, never even entertained the thought. I had no interest because I was just certain that it, I wouldn't be successful at it. But thank God. I mean, if I if I had a stayed married to my first wife, I would have never been able to try it. Never. Yeah. She would not have, she would have been against it from the start. Anything that brought me joy, she was against. <laughs> I would like have the, to tell her I hated stand up, and she would then be like, You should go out and do it. Like, that would be the only way. She was, she was acting like an ex wife before she was the ex wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I've been with, I've been doing it. It'll be on the, what, what date is it today? There's a fourth of January. The fourth. So on the 21st of this month, it'll be 17 years. Wow. That's awesome. I've been with my wife for 20. So she was there before. Right. So she's been supportive all the way through, which has been fantastic. So yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. Because I, I, we know comics, right? You, you date a girl. All of a sudden, you get engaged, and then you disappear. Right. They're just gone. They're out of the scene. They now have a job working at her dad's business, you know, fixing photocopiers or some other thing that, you know, makes their soul die a little bit more each day. So I'm so thankful she was more than supportive. I mean, so it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you need that because, like you said, there's so many people that have that happen. And I always, I, I always joke. It's like it's. I say that that happiness is the cure for stand-up. So sometimes I think, you know what? They got it and they get the fulfillment out of their relationship and their their life that, that no longer needs stand-up. And then there's the ones who are not allowed to come out and play. Yeah. And that's, I couldn't have, I, Yeah, and it, it's sad because I can think of, like, when you think of when you started in comedy – you had a class, so to speak. And right. it was like that, at that point, there was a bunch of people, and I, I'm still friends with some of them. And it's it's almost kind of sad that I'll, like I'll be headlining in Toronto, and one of those friends will come by who quit, 
Right. And then they, they come to it, and you can see the look on their face where they're like, oh, I miss this. Yeah. I wish. And, and, and it's never too late. You know, it's true. friends who quit comedy, you can always come back and try it again. Yeah, the door's open. Exactly. <laughs> Did you, uh, you ever see the documentary I Am Comic? Which one is that? I've seen so it's, many. It was one done by Jordan Brady, um, and it had Rich Scheidner in it. He was he was a, basically the guy. I think so, maker. yes. So he was around it, helping this guy do the documentary, and he's like, okay, I got to do it again. Yes, that's I gotta right. Do it that's again. right, yeah. And he starts up again. And uh, and of course, at, at the end, he has the revelation. Like He's he's great, does a lot of writing and stuff and, and projects. But at the end of the thing, he's like, he's like I'm like 65. What am I going to do? Start, start touring and doing open mics again. I'm going to start doing you know middle spots at clubs. Like He, he started again. And was actually doing doing clubs, doing different shows, working on a, on a sets. But he was just like, like what am, what am I doing? See, and you know that's, what I mean? that's the thing is because I've had comics at times, especially when I was running the open mic in Toronto, which I did for five years, is you'd have comics come out and go, hey, man, I'm thinking about, you know, giving up comedy. And I'd say, good, then quit. <laughs> What do you want, me, want me to convince you to stay? I was just going to say, it sounds like they're looking for like validation or like, hey, tell me I'm, you I, know, tell I have, me I'm funny and I should keep doing it. Like, I encourage know. me. And I had I had never, you know who one of those people was? Dave Merhaj. Really? And I was like, then quit, Dave. Then just stop doing it. <laughs> right? And you could see the look in his face like, mm. and he was always funny. Um, but sometimes it gets hard. Right. I, and I, I forget that I was 29. I mean, I had kids. I had, I had a job. I had a full-time job. And back then you were... I, I was at the fitness club first, and then I left that. I was doing. Uh, I worked with Motorola for a year doing two-way radio systems. Oh, cool! And then they were just they screwed me over. So I ended up working with my my wife's dad, who ran a industrial fencing and automated gates uh, company. Mm -hmm. So out of Mississauga, so I would. During the day, I'd, I'd be, for the first year, I went out and I was installing fences like eight, 10 hours a day. And then I'd hop in the car, go home, shower, drive. And I was living out in Guelph. So I would drive all the way back in to to do shows and drive all the way back out. And I was doing this five times a week doing right. shows because I was hooked. Once I was in and I, and I, once you get those laughs and there's that possibility you could get paid to do this. I was like, to do what you love, that's, there's nothing better. Yeah. And then I was able to get to a point where I could tour in the wintertime when the company wasn't doing much. And then I would go out west, and then I got too many gigs. And it got to the point where I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's do this full time. Well, yeah, and that's well. That's a great uh, Lori Grenier. It's not. I don't believe it's her quote, but she has it uh, often. Is just that like once you become a stand up comic, you're in business for yourself. Mm -hmm. She says entrepreneurs are the only ones who work eighty hours a week to avoid working forty. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like that, it's you have that line. passion to work all day and then drive. You know, all night or drive. For for me, when I was coming up, it was driving to two hours to Montreal to maybe do an extra spot, and you know the show would be canceled, but it was still worth it. You yeah. drive two hours for free, so you're paying. For a tank of gas round trip, yeah. for the chance at six more minutes to to work it out. So I, I I always I always ask is from the point that you started, how long was it before you started getting the paid work? So like how long were you in development before someone was like like where where did you get your first opportunity? Just a, a year. year. Awesome. I was uh, at Comedywood. We had uh, the incredible Boris was a, is a hypnotist, and he ran Comedywood. They had two locations in Toronto, and a year it was actually. <laughs> My first paid gig was September 10th of 2001. Oh, wow. Wow. 
what happened no, the nope, next nope, day. Nope, sorry, sorry, my bad, my bad. It was September 12th. It was the day after. Oh, the day after. Okay, That's I was right. Because I'm in like, the Motorola office. You're like, nothing could bring me. It was the 10th. What a great night. Yeah. Nothing could yeah. bring me down. Sorry, it was the 12th because the 11th, we were sitting, I was at work that day. Yeah. And I was, and when the, when the first plane hit, uh, the sec all of a sudden they turned the TVs on in the in the in the conference room and we went in and the second one hit and this is how small everybody's world can be right there we're going through this huge uh tragedy a loss of life and all I'm doing is staring at the TV going this is gonna fuck up my show tomorrow yeah <laughs> because and, and and we had uh a comic from New York who couldn't make it in naturally and we they brought in this guy i wish i knew his last name his name is andrew and he goes by the magic man so i brought in this mm. magician and back then boris who was always good to me he was it was a the reason i hosted was because i could work clean and there was maybe about four or five of us and we would rotate hosts so once a month you'd almost get up which was fantastic but his number was 14 if there's less than 14 then there was no show and we had six and he still put the show on because of what happened. Right. And so people it, need to laugh. And uh, it's one one of the big lessons I learned from this magician because we were standing at the back and I was thinking, oh man, there's only six people. And he goes, yeah, but these six people are here and they really need to laugh. And we can't blame them that other people didn't come. And so he went up and he, he performed like that room was filled with 300 people yeah. uh, and it was impressive to see. And it was a, was a, it was a good lesson to learn early. I think, uh, honestly, my first year of standup, I think you were the one who told me don't punish the audience that's here. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not the people the people did show up. These people showed up. So rather than bitching and complaining that, you know, there's only six people here, you know, show gratitude to the ones that did come. Cause all you're going to do is push these six away. Yeah. And, and at least with six people get to know their names. Like, yep. I mean, I did a show in Hamilton years ago where he used to be a com a guy who used to book uh, Chris, uh, Chris Prongrack was his name. Okay. He worked for Yuck Yucks for a little while. Um, Chris ran the crappiest rooms and there was, it was a double header. So you do a Friday show in the bar and the next night you'd come back and do it again. The Friday and Saturday. So Friday was packed, like jammed. The servers could not mm. even move. Nice. And then the next night there were seven people in the audience. And he goes, well, Jason, do a little less time and uh, we'll give you a little less money. Mm. Like, yeah, no, that's not how this works. You were oversold last night. Yeah, Did I, I get, get more money? money. Yeah. So no, you're, he goes, fine, do 45 or six, seven people. And I did. And it was at that time was my best set. I got all their names. And it was also the first time, this might not seem like a big deal to someone who's, who's not performed or haven't done comedy, but I'd, I'd always kept the mic in the stand. That's where it stayed. I never left it. I didn't play with it. I would stay stationary. And this guy, as a didn't host properly. As a host, you adjust the mic right. for the performer, and it wasn't. So when I went to adjust it, it was it was uh, it was really tight. So I went to un and I broke it. <laughs> so now I have to hold it. And I was like, oh. "This is new." Yeah, and yeah. it was just a weird experience. And then with seven people, it turned out to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we had an issue with the mic stand last week, the downstairs show. I kept trying to adjust it for you. And I'm like, this isn't. Nope. Right. I remember, I even remember the end of the show, you grabbed you to pick it up. It up. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, just, I'm sitting there going, I fuck, I tried. Nope. I don't know what's going. On. And I tried, I tried a little bit, and I was like, <laughs> no, it's not working. It's funny because the only person who noticed was you and the guy in the front row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just well because I just I remember I like that's one of the things I try to do as the host is to get it ready for the next person. Like if the tall 
person or short person. Like, don't make them come out and, you know, it's obvious that they've had to adjust it. Mm. But yeah, downstairs, I was like, anyways, getting ready for the thing. I'm like, it's fuck, it's not coming. It's not coming. Oh, fuck. Yeah, fuck, I'm That's sorry. the time where, it's <laughs> the one thing I, I, I think with comedy that is, uh, is something that we can always take advantage of, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. The, the truth might not set us free, but it will make us laugh. Oh God, yeah. And uh, you gotta you gotta write that quote down for me. That's a good one. I don't I don't get it. Luckily, it's be, being recorded whoa, for the ages. Because <laughs> like that to me, that would be a time you'd be like, uh, normally I'd adjust the mic for the for the the mic stand for the comedian, but it doesn't work. You're on your own. Um, when I was at Absolute years ago, I was hosting, and I ended up getting food poisoning. Oh no! And it's the Sunday show. Uh, David Acker is the headliner. Brian Hope is the middle. And so it's a good show. It's a good group. And I feel like hell. I have been shitting my guts out all day. And I get there and I'm, I'm pale. I'm clammy. I don't know when this can come out again. Right. It just doesn't stop. And, 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 and here's the, and I love Brian. Brian's a good friend of mine. And at the time he was doing like 17 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it was. And I said to him, man, I'm not feeling well. So be ready at any time and feel free to do 25 because I probably won't be able to do my full time. And I went up on stage and as the host, I told him, hey guys, I have food poisoning. I am am so close to shit in my pants. So you keep this way clear. Yeah. (laughs) And if it gets really bad, I'm going table, table, table. So I get to a point, I'm supposed to do what? 10, 15 off the top. I'm seven minutes. I'm seven minutes. And I'm like, all right, it's uh, it's time for your middle, whether you want them or not. Please welcome stage, Brian Hope. And so Brian comes up, and I run downstairs, and I am sitting there in all hell, hoping that this would end. And I come up, I'm looking at the time, and oh, that's right, because he was supposed to do 20. I said do 25. He gets off at 17. And I was like, son of a bitch. And so as I'm going up, David Acker goes, I'm going to sit right here whenever you're ready. It doesn't matter. Just bring me up. (laughs) And I was like, I felt, and I think it it made me feel so much better because David was really close. Like he understood and it was that wonderful moment. And I didn't want to fall into the category of comics like Larry Horowitz and and Matt DeSero who shit their pants. No one's ever told the the horror. Everyone knows it, but I've never told it on this podcast. Do you want to be the one? It's one of the most famously circulated Canadian stories. Yeah, And everyone has, it's almost like the aristocrats joke where everybody has a different version of it, but but it's essentially the same every time. I heard it from, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Evans. Andrew Evans? No, uh, Headliner, been around for a while. Uh, storytelling, black comic. Evan Carter? Evan Carter, thank you. Gosh, I, I thought that, but I'm like, yeah, sorry, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know why I blanked on his name. Uh, so Evan Carter told me that story with Andrew Evans, Brian Hope, as we're driving to a gig in just outside the border between Quebec and uh, and Ontario. And he said it was, it was uh, Mark Walker was with him. Okay. With Larry Horowitz. They get to this show, this outdoor show. They have free food beforehand. Well, apparently Larry grabs like the entire shrimp salad. Like instead of taking some, he like takes the whole thing and just starts pushing it into his mouth. I I haven't heard this version. Every version I've ever heard is always Caesar salad. Well, again, (laughs) again, it's, it's, um, this is Evans and he, he heard it right from Mark. So he's doing the same. He brings, uh, so Mark Walker goes out, does his stuff, brings on Larry. Larry gets up on stage, has a moment, and then shits his pants. 
I guess, thought, mm, I got a fart. We're outside. Yep. Maybe just a little bit. When in doubt, don't do it. Just a little crack and in the so dam. He shits his pants and he goes, Mark, come back on stage. And he runs off, goes into the restroom. Now, I don't know Larry. I've, I met him once, I think. Um, but all the party, he cleaned himself up the best he could, wrapped, and he went back on stage. But the thing is, apparently the smell was so bad, even outside, the yeah. two front rows got up and moved. Wow. I heard he was wearing a white suit. I, I don't know. white I don't, suit, and he tied the blazer, blazer around his waist. So he's there in a t-shirt with the blazer around yeah. his waist. Trying to. So I would imagine that he had to cover up the evidence. Because when a white suit, if you make a mess, it's showing. But here's the thing is, the, to me, he went back up. Like, that is the one of the bravest things I think I've ever heard, was that he went back up on stage. I don't know if I would, at least not. What I heard was that that he wanted to get paid. If he didn't go back up, wouldn't get paid. Okay, maybe that. <laughs> Which is, and but very well, I do think I think it's regardless of what he went. It is very courageous. Once everybody knows what just happened, mm. and you stand there like, all right, I'm going to be back in control. Of this audience is like, Mm-mm. but but here's that's the thing about mm. the truth, right? Is you have to own that. You have to go back yeah. up and said we had a little had a little underwear malfunction. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to make it funny. <laughs> I mean, we've we've all we've all been there. Please, please, please. Can we all yeah. say we've yeah. been there? Yeah, I'm all. Oh, I'm owning it right now for but god's sake the kick in the teeth of the whole story is that mark larry said don't tell anybody and mark made a point of never <laughs> saying anything but larry immediately goes on the defense and goes yeah mark walker's a liar mark walker's a liar yeah what does he lie about he hasn't said anything yeah so that's how it, it came out or else it would have never known uh do you know matt DeSero? No, I don't even know the name. He's a sorry, comedian. Matt. Oh, sorry, he's a, a comedy magician. He lives in Brampton. Okay, he's a, he's a buddy of mine. I, I met him. That was my first paid hosting gig. Was for a, a was actually before. Now that I think about it, it was for a juvenile diabetes fundraiser. Okay. My wife saw the ad online, and I met him and a bunch of other comics. And Matt, when he was doing a corporate show, they had brought out wine. This hundred year old wine that was really wow. fucking bad. Ugh. And they drank That's a shame, it. You think hundred year wine? He fucking shit himself on stage and just <laughs> ran. And he did, you know, he owns the story, man. He's a pro. And it, but it's it's one of the ones that every so often on Facebook something will come up. And oh, it's better than shitting myself on stage. Oh yeah, because that's that's the 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 benchmark now is that that one story. Maybe the wine was opened a hundred years ago. Maybe that's why it made it. Like, it's supposed to taste good, right? It's like, yeah, it was opened a hundred years ago. Turn to vinegar ninety eight years ago. <laughs> Do you know why you 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 handed the cork? Uh, to smell it to see how. No. Oh, okay. You're handed the cork so you can look at it and make sure there's no seams where the wine would have leaked. So you're inspecting oh, it you're to looking. make sure that it, the, that's the one way the wine is level good. on the whole thing. Yeah, and so when they hand you the when they, when you take the bottle to swish it around, you're smelling it a to make sure it's not vinegar, mm-hmm. and then you taste it just to make sure it's not vinegar. Um, by there was a on a cruise ship the. Um, we have a steakhouse on a lot of the boats, and they have a sommelier on board, and they're, they know way too much about wine. It's fascinating. I, I Uber drove a sommelier one time. Did you? And I was going, how the hell do you get into that? Come on. I'm like, how do you just decide? Oh, I want to know the difference. I go, can you? I go, I go, I go, I, I will take this to the grave, which I'm clearly not right now. But I was like, can you really? Be, oh, this is oaky and a hints of prunes. I go, can you really 
smell and taste the difference in that shit. And he goes, he goes, it took a really, really long time. I'm like, that's something you got to really stick with. Is it like the open mics of, of wine? No, there's an <laughs> app on his phone that gives him all the adjectives that he needs. Um, we're gonna go with uh, people at home listening cannot see that I'm I'm mom I'm mime flipping through my phone, going, we're gonna go with oaky and some hint of raspberry. Yeah, exactly. But apparently, the can you bat- taste the bay leaf in there? The bay leaf, what? Uh, Labats or Molson's, they have a, a job where they, they bring you in and because a certain percentage of people, like four or five percent of people, have a heightened palate. Okay. I'm not one of them. No, me neither. Uh if somebody puts down Coke or Pepsi, I'm like, fuck okay. Uh and it always drives me nuts when someone say, oh, do you have Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi, then never mind. Yeah, it's that far apart. Really? It's They're owned by the same, same company. Uh, Is that not good enough? For <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Wouldn't it be great if someone comes out and goes, it's been the same the whole time. I love that. It's been the same the whole time. You're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sprite and 7-Up are different. Yeah, we got that. See, I don't even know that I could tell the difference between them. Oh. You have to side-by-side them. Because if I had one oh. one week... I think Sprite is a lot more citrusy, right? Yeah. Seven yeah, yeah. Up is just more sugar. Yeah. I've seen But I haven't had I haven't had one of those in four years. Oh no, that's not true. I had one a couple of years ago when I they had no club soda left and I had a I had a five show night yeah. on the uh the carnival sunshine. We used to have to do extra shows, but they would put all five in one night so people would know what shows were being repeated because it's a smaller room. And I was like kind of a club soda that like we're all out i'm like oh kind of do you have a diet ginger ale no i just have ginger ale i'm like i'll have a ginger ale just for my throat and when you haven't had it and so it tasted so good oh my god i can i understand why people are addicted to that stuff it's the sugar it's the same with shitty snack foods it's like sugar and salt are super addictive too those fucking that old money you stop me go like oh where's that all that old money cut it's like sugar. sugar Sugar is fucking old Those bastards. Oil before oil. <laughs> that's I think that, that's I think the toughest thing to explain to aliens who land on in on our planet would be with them to look and go, why do you even make cigarettes? Like how is that oh, even yeah. a thing? Why would you be doing all this fructose if it's making everybody unhealthy? How is this a thing? I understand we're talking about free will or our perception of free will and you're right. making choices, but wow, when every choice is a bad damn choice. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear it. Too? What the fuck is that coming from? I didn't do it. No, I, I don't think you did. I just don't know why all of a sudden we've got clickety-click. Maybe no one else is hearing it. And I'll bet you Alphonic is going to clear it up. So this will be fun for them listening. Like, what are they hearing? I don't hear anything. Yeah. I was moving this thing. That's fine. I love how you check the equipment. It's like, yeah, like, I, like I fucking know how to fix it. I have no idea. It's the same as when my car breaks down, man. I, I do everything I've seen a mechanic do without any knowledge of what he's looking for. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking under the hood. I'm shaking the tires. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm yeah, licking the light, the headlights. <laughs> eh, no, no, they taste fine. That's good. I just pull into the shop. Help, 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 help. And they go, oh, we're going to make money off this guy. I've bitched about that in the pot. And I actually had a bunch of people write in. That were like, oh yeah, when you go, you got to do this and that. They're the fucking worst. But it's funny that you had mentioned about the aliens thing. There was uh, not to get too nerdy. Um, there was an episode of Star Trek. Oh, Space. we got too nerdy, people. Yeah, and all of a sudden we're we're clicking again. The fuck is going on? You think we're too hot right now? Is it that? No. No. Yeah. This is the only thing that's moving on my end. I have never had that in the podcast before. 
This is yeah. the first time you've gone remote in a new location, though. Fucking Kingston. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's causing that. I hope you guys don't hear it. I hope I never hear it again. I do have new pieces of equipment today, so hopefully that's not uh, not them crapping out. I hope you have your receipt. Oh, I do. I never throw that shit out. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try talking about Star Trek again. <laughs> Maybe it's divine intervention. What was the episode? We talked about aliens, and all of a sudden we got Which quickly. Which Star Trek? The government's coming in on us they're like oh they're talking about aliens click, click, click. the government cares kill they, don't, their, they don't care kill about their mics. no of course not <laughs> kill their mics um there was an episode of star trek deep space nine where they had uh where the ferengi and i don't know how f- yeah i know okay so for anyone who doesn't know i ferengi, hide my nerdism nobody oh, yeah. knows that <laughs> i had i openly admitted it at one point in the podcast ago i think i just I yeah you, you rub their ears they were very sensitive that's how they had orgasms yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well they're like the 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 entrepreneur sleazebags of the, the universe or whatever right and apparently there was this one episode where they went back in time and they got stuck in like area 51 so it was almost like area 51's aliens were the ferengis when they went back oh, in time okay. and so Obviously, them being like the capitalists that they are, they're sitting there and they're talking. They're, they're, I can't even remember the young guy, their nephew, uh, was telling them about like all this earth history that they didn't know about. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they sell, uh, you know, these, these, this poison, like cigarettes, like you were saying, to each other, you know, and they're like, they sell poison to each other. They take and they consume poison. And they're like, yeah. They're like, oh, we would make so much money from these people. And then he sits that back and he talks about like the nuclear wars and stuff like that, like Hiroshima and everything like that. And he goes, yeah, they dropped a, you know, uh, irradiated bombs and blah, blah, blah. And they go, they irradiated their own planet. Like just, just the level of stupidity. Like you said, how, how do you explain to someone else? It's like, yeah, we, we dropped poison. We sell poison and we drop bombs on our own planet. Mm -hmm. Like just the fucking level of stupidity at times. And I, I wish if, if I had a, if I could, if I could go back in time, and this is the, this is the question: is at what age would you be that you could go back in time? To what age were you then that you would give advice to that you would actually understand it? Yeah, it's hard, eh? right? Like I'm thinking, sixteen might be too young, eighteen might be okay, but I would go back and I would be: you got to stay healthy, young. As opposed to get fat and try to work it off, because that's the bitch. Yeah, that is that is terrible. Like uh, I would have, you know, whispered in my ear, figure out how to be a vegetarian when you're young. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I, it's a good question and it's a fair question. I don't know when it would have been for me, if at all, because it's almost like you know that old saying, right? Is like when the student is ready, the master appears. So I, I mean, if I was ready to get it at any age, I feel like I would have got it. And that's when I would have started moving towards it. Well, I, I don't think it came up. Like it just, it was never a thing when I was growing up. We, you, you know, you, you ate your meat, your potatoes, your veg. Yeah. Uh, there was no, I mean, you'd go to McDonald's, uh, you know, once a week, it would be a treat. Right. And then when you got older and when I, when I was in the army, it didn't matter because we were in such good shape. I remember a weekend where we drank. It was the first weekend I was in Calgary. We drank. We had Friday off, so we drank Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. And we had everything from A&W to Taco Time. Like, we literally had three days worth of and watching a friend of mine eat six Big Macs in one sitting. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we need to think about that for a second. And to think how bad that was for you. Oh, God. I mean, the next day we were running, doing the army thing. Now, but- the interesting thing about that is that it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there probably was 
better food. more real food in, in that there. McDonald's. Yeah, it's than probably there is less now. processed. Yeah, that's the thing is everyone's like, you know, 20 years ago we used to eat this. It's like, yeah, but I bet you 20 years ago it was more real food. You know what I mean? Like it, it there was actual sus like like you don't even smell food when you're when you're walking by restaurants anymore. All you smell is that grease smell. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it used to be that you could smell real food cooking. Now it's the the shit that they cook it in. Dude, I worked at a Kentucky fried chicken in my hometown of Milton. Okay. That particular location is no longer Kentucky fried chicken. It's a, a pet food store. Mm. And in the summertime, I swear to God, you can still smell KFC on occasion. Oh yeah. You can't like, get that shit out. <laughs> once it rains, if it rains and then it's warm the next day, you can smell it. I mean, I'm, the people inside must be going nuts. That's how they make lamination papers. They basically just peel it off the wall of a KFC. That's Mm. just plastic that's been <laughs> you're laminating your organs was, eating was, that shit all the time <laughs> it's that old simpsons episode where you rub it you rub it on something it turns clear it turns clear wall? on the brick wall <laughs> that's just unbelievable oh yeah no no that's fucking funny i always like that's one of the things i, I kind of want to do this year and i'm not a or fuck who knows what i am i keep finding out every episode something new about myself is i don't i don't consider myself a hippie or anything like that but i I'd, I'd like to go uh, vegan if possible. I, well, not if possible. I know it's possible. I just don't know what the work involved is because I'm starting to feel it's research. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And implicate, uh, sorry, implementation. I would keep saying implication. Implementation is going to be the the tough part, but I, the, the I'm getting is, more and more feelings of like, I don't, I feel less and less ethical eating animals. Um, like I said, not a tree hugger, not a hippie. I'm not preaching anything to anybody just in terms of how I feel about it. Cause it goes back to that whole alien thing. It's like you listen to people and you go, why, why do you treat animals like, this? like forget the ones you're eating? Just even just the way you treat dogs and cats and, 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 you know, life. So I go, how alien? So you ask people why they justify, they go, oh, humans are number one. Like, why is a dog's life? I had a, I had a, would you rather on the podcast one time that was saying, would you rather, uh, you know, kill one baby with your bare hands or a hundred puppies. And I was like, who, one baby. I go, I don't, I'm not like, I, I, it wouldn't be, it'd be terrible no matter what. See, I couldn't, but I couldn't do that. Cause I'm like, just, just think about what would happen to your soul after you've killed like the 10th, 11th. I go, why? I'd have to one? kill four more and I'd be at a hundred. I'm really past that job. <laughs> no, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, but my thoughts were in my head is like those people who are like a human life is worth more. And you go, why? Usually the answer is like, well, we're humans. We have more technology. We have more power. We, we are built to dominate this planet. So, so I go, so if an alien we came have down. thumbs, dude. We have thumbs. Yeah, that's why we can achieve. No, but it's that, but that's also the supreme responsibility of us is to, to treat everything like with respect, anyways, again, I don't subscribe to Pete or anything like that, but I'm just like, so I asked them, so in your opinion, if aliens came down and had the ability to dominate us instantly, what you're saying is that we should just sit back and take it because they've clearly shown that they're more advanced than us, or are you going to fight back and sort of have some need to survive and want to live? Like all of a sudden you're it, like, we are very, um, I know what's going to happen in our positions. You know what's going to happen is the aliens would show up and then we'd be, they'd have like, uh, they'd have their own sport. They have like their own Michael Vick, and we'd all be <laughs> fighting in our own pools. As much as I'd hate to be a part of that, that would be great. That would just be so great, like like to, to see the tables. I I don't I like individuals, but people I hate. I just don't like human beings. No, I'm with you. I mean, it gets to a point with certain things, uh, like uh, someone who travels as much as I do. Mm-hmm. You just get so frustrated with people in general. Uh, uh, an individual, we can be right. friends, but as a group, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's that 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 group mentality 
You know what I mean? Once you get now, you're not a person anymore. You're just part of the group. Well, and that mentality, it, I don't find it's productive. like uh, you're at the Miami airport and everybody's walking out. Everybody's lining up to walk out a door. We, we, it's an automatic door. There's three doors on the other side. <laughs> and I'm always the only one who gets out, passes people, and the yeah. doors automatically open. Lemmings. Yeah. It's like, why aren't you able to think for yourself, able right. to, to get outside the box, do something different? I don't know. It just, it just drives me. George up. Carlin used to have, well, yeah, he definitely used to have a quote that was. Uh, oh, is he hanging out with Elvis right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are even stupider. Mm. And I'm like, that that sort of helps me not get angry at fucking people because I'm just like, that's right. I need to lower my expectations. My favorite joke of Joe Rogan's, and uh, this is on, a, uh, I think, his third CD um, after he stopped talking. like he, His first two, he did a lot of his girlfriend's voices. Mm. used to drive me nuts. But Joe's one of my favorite comics. He says, a lot of people think you're smart. We all think we're smart. We're, I'm smart. Right. I'm smarter than most people. Well, let me ask you a question. If I put you on a desert island, how long would it take you to send an email? Yeah. Right? Forget a shelter or food or live. How long? Those are brilliant people who figured that out. And there are days with me where I'm in a room full of people, and I don't know if I'm the smartest or the dumbest. Mm. But yeah, it's uh I just want enough to be able to contribute to a conversation on just about any subject. Or just have a podcast and talk to yourself most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey guys, it's just me. I want to tell you I had a shitty Christmas. Thanks for listening and, to my video. Or and my she <laughs> bought those movie tickets on purpose. I swear to God, that's... <laughs> Damn my heart. Um, yeah, well, it's... Uh, I, I watched this show on Discovery. It was on it was on Netflix, but it was a discovery show called The Colony. And there was an element of yeah, it was called The Colony. And what it was was a bunch of people were supposed to see if they could survive off of like it's supposed to be post apocalyptic, not what, zombie, but was, just post apocalyptic. Wasn't a movie, right? No, no, With no. Lawrence Fishburne. There might have been there, one called The Colony, okay. but I, this was like a like a like a reality show. Oh. So the idea was everyone they got a bunch of different types of people, engineers and and you know contractors and things like that, and they were like, "Can you guys survive under just what you fall? Filter your own like basically rainwater and filtering it through charcoal layers and sand and stuff like that and boiling it and all that. So basically, can you just I can distill the survive? water. Yeah, you can boil it, but you can't get no, the shit out of it. That's not distilling water. I thought boiling was distilling, or mm. in, in some fashion. Boiling is so you're uh, you're in a, a survival situation, and you can build a fire, and you're not sure of the water. You would build a fire, you'd put the water, you'd boil it off, but you would trap that you would you'd put like um, a tarp over top. Mm -hmm. So when the steam comes off, it hits, mm -hmm. and, and then, then runs that, back down. And that is distilled water. It's H two O. There's nothing in it. Okay. So a desert trick that we learned is if you can do that into, you can pee into a, a cup and leave it out in the sun and put the, you have to put it tight over top or not tight over top, but so you can drain it off. But that's how you can get it. Okay. Also, out of urine. Yes. So also still urine. And urine's sterile. Survival tip number two is if you're out in the, in a situation, uh, if, if we were stranded out it's best for me to drink your urine and you to drink mine. Okay. Because mine is poisonous to me or toxic to me because I'm getting rid of the toxins I don't need. You're safer to drink someone else's urine. So it's a lot better. God, I hope we have glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Just suck it out of the straw. Don't do it. 
<laughs> you first. <laughs> I'm going to die. 69. There you go. You jump, I jump. <laughs> Your aim is off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That'd be a funny thing to walk into, eh? What are you guys <laughs> doing? Surviving. We didn't see. If we had just breached one more hill, we would have found the gas station. First, I was afraid. <laughs> I was petrified. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Oh. Uh, so yeah, this show was just all those people, and I was watching it. They had an actor towards so they're like they're like on this episode in the middle of the night they're going to be attacked by bandits or whatever. It's like yeah, but you know you're on a TV show, so you know that they're actors. You know what I mean? You're not actually in danger. So I found that those elements, those those, I'd still punch happen. him in the face really hard. Oh yeah, well they're like. You know, they're they're just actors and they've been instructed not to hurt the colonists, but the colonists don't know that. I go, I'm pretty sure they know that. You're not gonna you're you're on a show. The cameras are still filming these bandits. You know, there's secure like I so for that it's kind not of shit, quite reality TV. No, that's the thing. As soon as you put a camera on something, it's not really reality anymore. Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? However, did you ever see the TV show alone? No. Oh my god. I do you have a thumb drive with you by chance? Uh, packed away in the car. Because if you, when you're packing up, yeah. I can put alone. And for the people who are listening, it was on um, the History Channel. And the first season was great. Second season was good too. But the first season, nobody knew what was happening. And they took 10 men, put them in a island in northern, B, in uh, Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. northern, And they had to survive on their own. But they had to record themselves. So they they didn't have any help. If they wanted to get out, they had to tap out. They had to call on a GPS on a satellite phone. Okay, but you never knew when someone else had quit. So you just kept going as far as you could. It wasn't you, like Hunger Games where they fire fireworks no, into the sky. You have no shot. idea. <laughs> you have no idea when people. And there were people who were bailing for weird reasons. And and there's there's cougars in the area. There's bears. And you're listening to this guy going, "Hey bear, hey," because you talk. Most bear attacks happen because a bear's scared. A bear doesn't want to eat a human. Apparently, we taste like shit. Mm, sharks don't like us either. Yeah, but they if they get confused, they bite. And in this case, if they, you scare a bear, it'll attack. Cougars will just attack. Right. So these guys, and it's it's a fascinating show. Even if you don't like survival stuff, you do learn some things. I I mean, I could have. I think I could have done it. Right. Um, my only problem is is I'm allergic to shellfish, and some of the times. Um, they would eat the the periwinkles, mm-hmm. which have a shell, so that would end up killing me. But uh, it's a fascinating that that was a true reality show. Well, that's what I and those and are the, the ones that I like. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, that's <laughs> just a really good exercise regime. That's what I like like about those ones. I like watching something. I go, but like you said, I'm watching the show The Colony, and I'm watching them daisy chain together car batteries and you know filter water rainwater through charcoal, charcoal, charcoal. How and did they and just, test it though afterwards. It was just that some of them were scientists and engineers, so they knew they did layer after layer. So they just knew. So they filtered it through the charcoal because of all the porousness mm-hmm. or whatever, and then then they boiled it afterwards. So they're like, they basically just taking their chances. But it was effectively like we've gone, we've done three or four. They put it through like two or three barrels with multiple layers. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you think they would have tested through? it like the, for the show, so you could people at home would be like, yeah, we did test this water. Well, that's the that's the. Uh, you know, the thing with reality TV is odds are they probably said, you know what? We're going to make sure you guys don't die on our watch. Mm. They don't put that in. They just make everyone in the colony look like heroes and geniuses. Yeah. But I remember they they made an AM radio out of like a fucking dowel and wrapping cords around screws like or, or copper wire on screws. And he just knew 
how how far apart to wrap the coils so that they would basically receive a signal and of course once this once they built this thing they received a signal on the the tv as the audio source and you know now they're getting this am ref, uh, am radio signal from the survivors somewhere else you mm-hmm. know but the idea was watching the show i was like it was so cool to see it because i'm like in that situation i mean i know how to construct things i i'm an electrician or was an electrician, so I know how to wire something up. But in terms of like creating a transformer or creating, you know, the the engineering portion of it, I'm at a loss. I'm like, do we have someone who knows more? I can run the wires once, <laughs> you know, I can link everything up once we have that essential piece back. So, like you said, going on an island, hey, how long would it take you to send an email? Not build yeah. a fire, not build a shelter, not catch a fish, but send a fucking email on a deserted island. Well, one day for the rest of it, not the email. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I'd be fine. Yeah. See, I'd, I have to take some time. I know little tricks about. I'd be there fire. to help the bandits, help stop the bandits. That that would be my job. Yeah, you'd work security. <laughs> that would be it. And hunting, you got to go out and get food, and and then finding any food. Like I mean, even when we did our survival training, uh, and of course I'm rusty now, but some of the it, just the way you would test some of the vegetation, like you'd rub it on your hand, right, to make sure you didn't have reactions to see if you could eat it, that kind of stuff. Do you have to do your commercial at any point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you. You're doing my job for me. I like that. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break for this commercial break. Yeah, because I'm like, I wonder how I'm going to get us back to your comedy career. (laughs) I'm having a great time. I love talking about uh, about this stuff. So yes, uh, Absolute Comedy Guys is, of course, the the sponsor of all these wonderful interviews with all of their wonderful comedians. I will play their ad now and be back with more with Jason Blanchard. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back, guys. How many times did you say best in that in, in that thing? Uh, I don't know. I know what Jason likes to hear. So when I made the commercial, best, best, best. I actually just, just to cheat, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but what I had to do is I had to find, I wanted to sound like a comedy club. So I had to find like three different kinds of background audio. Mm. I had to find like the, the little chatter, crowd chatter. I had to find crowd laughing and I had to find uh, crowd applause, but all of those, um, were only like 10 or 15 second long clips. So what I had to do is when I made it, I had to cut them. And I had to put, so it's like chatter, laugh, clap, chatter, clap, laugh, like just dicking how, around to make it all together. How bad are you doing as a comic to get that much chatter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it was like, like, and it was like different levels of laughing too. So I had to find them, right? And then a big applause break at the end. And then the stupid rim shot because it's hacky. But I thought it was funny. I don't, I'm Everybody not a professional likes- commercial or editor. I know none of this shit. That's all. So the last cruise ship I was on, uh, I'm, I, I like to go... The comedy club is laid out different on certain styles of classes of ships. And so the one I'm had, it holds about 400 people mm-hmm. in the uh, 350, 400 people. And so I like to go backstage in like a nice private area, 
just so I could take five minutes before a show and kind of get centered with myself. Uh, when I'm on a, when I'm on land and I'm doing time, I don't, I'm going to go up and going to have fun on the ships because I'm doing five different shows. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that I'm focused and I don't overlap because I don't want to repeat stuff. So I right. go backstage and on this ship, it's dark. It's, it's every show I've done so far. It's just pitch black back there, which is fine. You know, I'm back there. I got my, my water, my towel for my head when it gets sweaty. And it, for some reason that tech realized I was there. So he turned up the lights and I'm like, Ooh, there's a drum set back here. Very cool. And so when the host went up, as soon as she's told a joke, I'm like, bam, bam. <laughs> and she had nothing ever happened. So she's so people, I'm like, and now I'm just playing the drums and everybody's laughing. I'm like, I found drums back here. It was so much fun. <laughs> so that that's definitely something that I, I find. See how I segued that? Oh, it was amazing. Professional. Yeah. I'm in the presence of professionalism. Um I wanted to ask, yeah, how did you like that's that's one of the things that's you've been doing that for some years now. You, Seven. you yeah, dude, you perform on cruise ships, and that's incredibly fascinating to me. How did how did you get into that? Agent. Oh yeah? Yeah. My agent, uh, Ed Smeal. He uh I had done um I'd done a a corporate show at a golf course, and the other comic I was working with uh told me when we arrived, he's like, uh it says do thirty, but just do fifteen. Uh, you're going to bomb. Nobody does well here. Uh, you know, I said, well, I'm just told words to, of encouragement. I, I was, yeah. I'm told to do 30. He goes, well, if it's going well, you can do 20 and they were great. I don't know what the problem was. I had, it was, they were a fun crowd. They laughed the whole way through. Um, well, he mentioned it to Ed and Ed ended up saying, why don't we give it a shot? So we sent in a video and the crews said, no. Okay. And I said, nope, not right. And I was like, son of a, bitch because that because it was like uh, you knew what the money was and you're like oh my gosh that would be so awesome about a month later i had my gallbladder removed Mm. which is if you've had that done it's horribly painful so uh, on a monday i get it removed friday i do a comedy show a fundraiser a cancer fundraiser in hamilton i didn't i thought i would be in less pain but at one point i turn and you know those honest looks on your face Mm -hmm. the excruciating agony this woman in the front row goes, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, I'm a nurse. Are you okay? I'm like, I just had my gallbladder out. They're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, we're raising money for cancer. And couldn't do anything wrong. So I had internal bleeding from that Jesus. night. So then the next Tuesday, I get a call from Ed. Hey, Jason, they had a fallout. They need somebody to cover a ship. You have your passport. You have everything you want to go. And I'm like, yes, I want to go. Okay, because you're going in 24 hours. So I got to pack while I'm still in pain. My wife is like, no. You Did sh-. you know you had internal bleeding at this point? Oh, yeah, because I went on the Monday. Okay, right, right. Yeah, sorry. it wasn't major. Like, I, maybe I made it sound worse than it was. I had some stitches pop, so I was black from the belly button down. Okay. Unfortunately, not black in the right <laughs> areas, but you know what I'm talking about. So I fly from... Toronto to Miami, Miami to Nassau, hop in a taxi, and then I get to the ship. And uh, I did my first set of shows. Um, It was nerve-wracking. At the time, I did one PG, and I had one adult, because that's what I was told, one and one. But then I I was quickly told I need two adult shows. So you have a 30-minute PG and two 30-minute adult shows. And I was able to do... 
I had no problem with the PG, had no trouble with the adult. My second adult was, man, oh, man, it was like, ooh. Like, I was so happy when a PG show, I didn't have enough time to do a joke because then I would move it over. Right. Like, you'd just be like, man, I, I would slow down just to make sure to get everything in. But it was stressful because back then, you did you had one shot. One shot to do a cruise. If they didn't like you, you were, you were done. Mm. And so I did my shows and my check my email and Ed has sent me an email going, whatever you're doing, keep doing keep it. doing it because they want to send you to two other ships. And so that's what I did. I did two more ships after and I was in. It was and the cruise director, uh Felipe, uh, he's uh every time I see him, man, you know, he's uh, he's the first cruise director. He wrote me a great review. This guy should come back. Uh it was awesome. That's great too, because yeah, like it's one of those things. Eh? It was just so close to not happening. They just got the nope, and you're like, because right, so you, we, we, you know, comics who've done it, and mm -hmm. and they didn't get brought back. And some of them are really good comics who just didn't that one time. Because it's a different beast when people say, "Oh, the comedy on the cruises." It's tougher because when you go to a comedy club, they have paid for their tickets. They have got a babysitter they've driven they've had some dinner and yeah. they've, they've made a point to go to the comedy club to watch comedy yeah, they're invested in it they are time. so invested especially here at this time of year it's freezing you're going out in this kind of weather so imagine you have people on a cruise ship who just see a line and they're like oh well there's a line let's get into the line oh we've never seen stand-up comedy they have no idea how to uh how to behave sometimes mm -hmm. Uh, some hosts do a great job of setting up the show. Some are new, so they haven't quite got a grasp of it yet. But you don't get a warm-up. It's you. You got 30 minutes yeah. to get up there. And uh, it, it can be really tough. Uh, well, it just, it sounds like almost everything you're on a cruise. So, I mean, now I know that the stereotype is a lot of old people on cruises. Yes and, and no. Carnival is different. Carnival has, Carnival is the cheaper the, well, that's not, that's probably not more the, affordable it's the more affordable option it's the most modest yes ticket prices <laughs> uh but i have friends i've never worked other cruise lines but i have friends who do norwegian and uh and royal caribbean and, and some of those ones princess they have a lot older crowds mm -hmm. uh they don't get as much freedom as we do with the stand-up i mean yes i do two pg shows they are clean and i think they're my best shows the adult shows can you can they, they're adult they warn you if you're easily offended don't yeah, don't even come you. that kind of stuff and that's where it gets a lot of fun and but the difference for comedians is and i know a lot of comics who could do adult shows they can't do the pg shows and yeah. and that's the kicker that's where that's where the money is made is that you can perform clean yeah well it, it, and it translates back to land i'm just thinking like the not necessarily the chip on your shoulder but almost the expectations like you're on a cruise and if you're younger it's like, yeah, you get free booze. You can go. You don't have who anywhere. Who gets free to be, booze? There's no free booze on cruises? For who? Oh, the, the guests? No. Oh, okay. God, no. <laughs> All-inclusive resorts do that. Carnival, I think, tried it with one or two ships. You can do a cheers package on board, which works out to like 53 bucks a day, Okay, which is 15 drinks. Now... If you did 15 drinks individually, it's going to be more. Naturally. Yeah. You couldn't sell those packages. But people well. treat it as a, as, a, as a competition for the day to make sure to get to their 15. Right. And that's all I'm saying is like you got people who are basically on vacation. They're expecting to drink. They're trying to hit their personal best. And at the same time, they got nowhere to be tomorrow. No. So those shows where these people show up 
No, not not actually true. Okay. Uh, because sometimes we do there are problems with scheduling of shows. If you have the 11:30 p.m. show mm-hmm. on a day, let's say we spent that entire day uh in Half Moon Key, which is a, a private island that Carnival owns. So that now you have people who spent the whole day on the beach in the sun drinking. They're hot. So now you have an 11:30 show. The next morning, you're in NASA at 8 a.m. People are planning to get up. So sometimes, and the nice thing is, is if you do really well as a comic, people are coming back to your shows. And if you don't repeat shows, you get big, you get fans immediately because some of them have come and they've seen all of your shows. That's two and a half hours of material, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there are, there are nights it's really good and there are nights you have to work. Right. Like work hard. Yeah, you're like, oh, I see a lot of familiar faces. I, uh, it's got to be different. Gotta well, that, be different. That, the reason I worked so hard to write more material was because uh, I used to do one of the ships, the Carnival Dream, which at the time was one of their newer ships. And we would come in as uh, comics on a seven-day cruise would come in halfway. So I would come in the midpoint. I would do the last half of the cruise and then stay. Well, the new guest got on board. I'd stay for the first half. And then me and the other comic would leave and two more people would come on. So that's how they rotate everything. They rotate through. So seven day cruise, you get four comedians. That's 20 shows. That's a lot of comedy. Yeah. So there was a guy, Tony Esposito, who's a friend of mine uh, now. But back then, I would just know him by reputation. And this is this guy who had five different shows and they were all excellent. And people would come up and go, how come you don't have five different shows? Right. And instead of, you know, complaining, I was like, damn it, why don't I have five different shows? And I would, I would schedule myself for time to write. And, and, and on different ships, I would find a, a quiet spot. And I would go with my my laptop and my notebooks. And you would just write and write and write and write and write and write and write. And each night, you'd try something new. Just even one thing per set. And it was amazing how, before you know it, you've it's grown. And now this habit is still there. So I still go. I have five different shows. But mm-hmm. now I have a sixth. And I want to work on another PG show that I could throw in as an adult if if I'm on an older crowd, because one of my shows is a little more dirty than the others. Mm-hmm. And if it's like the, I do an Alaskan run. Okay. Which I did this year for the first time. And if, if you've never cruised, it's got to be weird to do it, not in the Caribbean in your mind, but the Alaskan cruise was so beautiful. Yeah. And so cold. Oh my God. <laughs> I did not pack right. I, I brought a, a heavy jacket, which was good, but I needed something on the ship because this we're talking about metal. Oh yeah, about it's all this conducting it, it that cold. It holds the cold and I would you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a naked sleeper everybody. Just a little information to share with you. <laughs> Not that cruise, man. I was wearing socks. Yeah. <laughs> 3 of them? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was cold. It was cold, man. I was just cuddled up in my but I would I would wear like a tracksuit to bed cuz I didn't bring jammies. Yeah. That's I like I I'm just uh I'm staring at you blankly, but it's only because I'm trying to keep track of so many questions that 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 are popping in my head. So, for example, I'm gonna try to fire a few of them out. All right, just Go. just let's to remember, do, let's them. do a lightning round. So, the idea is, like, I'm curious as to the your your daily process on the ship, what it's like, how often you're you're doing these runs, and then also like like all the rules because you and I have talked about all this stuff before. So, I'm just trying to make okay. sure I get it out so for my people. So, you want to know what my day is like on a ship? Yeah. Okay. So now my days are. Uh, are much better than I first started because I used to waste a lot of time. 
So uh, as Josh mentioned on his last podcast, uh, one of the things I'm doing uh, food-wise is intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. which allows me a lot of free time to do other things. So I I eat between noon and, and usually 6.30 are my times, and then after that. So now I wake up on the ship. Once you arrive, travel days are always... I mean, you get used to it, but a lot of times I, I fly Toronto to Miami and then to St. Martin. To an, so that's where I'm catching the ship midway. Mm-hmm. So once you get on board, you're fine. Once I get settled, uh, I, I set my alarm. I wake up early. I go to the gym first thing. I come back. Uh, I will most likely read for an hour, depending. And it's just one of the things I've been trying to do is to take an hour a day to read. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just got a, I, The next book I'm going to be doing is Neil deGrasse Tyson's um astro physics for dummies for dummies it's like <laughs> is that. it really okay yeah, yeah. i just so i got the book that's you're the, just twirl, you guys couldn't see it but he's like twirling his fingers like looking for me for the answer i'm like i don't i, I, was, I, was looking, I know who he is i was looking through you for he the says answers. yeah lots of smart things so i want to learn about quarks apparently so <laughs> I, then and then i would go and eat and if i'm working on board with a comic who i like and i get along with we will eat together which is always a lot of fun. Uh, we we share stories. We do what we do, right? Yeah, and yeah. We bitch about the same stuff all the time and things that aren't being done in our travel. And uh, and then uh, and then I will take uh, an hour and a half, two hours, and I will go sit somewhere and I will write. Now, writing not all not always jokes. There are mm-hmm. th- other th- other projects I'm working on, um, but with me, when it's material, I take one day to just write. No, just just write. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not scratching things out. Whatever comes to mind, right, 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 right. Yeah. And the next day I can go back and that's where I edit. So I'm like, okay, I like what I did here. And, and more ideas come from that. Mm-hmm. But I went back to, I used to be an all laptop guy. And I read a book on the creative brain. And one of the things they talked about was how human beings have been speaking for you know, since we've since we've been actual you know, in this form as human beings, mm-hmm. we've been speaking for so long. We've been writing for a, a less time. Right. We've been typing for, for far less. less. Ah. And there's a connection between creativity and actually handwriting, apparently. So that's one of the things I've started to do again was actually write. And I got this thing called a rocket book, which allows me to write and then take a picture. It files it away for me, and then I can erase it. It's called a rocket book. Okay. Rocket book. Was it pricey? No, 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 no. So it's basically you just write in the page, boom, it's saved. Yeah, you got to get no, no, no. You got to take a, it's you have, it's combined with an app on your phone. Oh, okay, right. That would be better if you could just hit a button at the bottom and it takes the picture and saves. Yeah, it so but you that's it. called you gotta, a, that's called a tablet. <laughs> so Rocket Book, I'm showing. So it just yeah, yeah. takes a quick picture of it. So whatever you had written down. Yeah, and because at the bottom, do you like hold your phone up over it and take it? It does it automatically. Oh, okay. No, as soon as it hits the right spot, it does it for you. That's the beauty of it. And at the bottom, it indicates places so you can crop, put a ink on it. Yeah. So mine will upload it to Dropbox. Uh, My journals, it will it will send email. Okay. And so that's how it does. So you can. Can I put it on something like iCloud? Do you think? Do you think it'd be Apple compatible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Rocket Book. All right. Hey, I'm gonna listen to this later and try to remember that. Gives me something to do this week while I'm in Toronto. Oh, this is the list of things I meant to pick up. Oh, no, this is my food journal. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I miss breakfast. That's- I miss breakfast. I've, I've, I'm just kidding. I wake up and go to work so fast in the morning. I don't eat anymore in the morning. So and, and then I have my dinner and then I have the shows. And we have anywhere from two to three shows a night, depending on the ship you are on. 
And that's another thing is that in terms of like, when you say you go to write, you go to the gym, uh, you were telling me that there's, there's certain, I mean, obviously there's rules. It's it, there's, you're not allowed to interact for the most part with guests, right? No, you cannot have sex with a guest. Okay. Okay. You I've heard inter- other ones say that you're not allowed to interact with the guests, that that's a no, no. It's no, you. they want, they, I mean, in fact, it's the opposite with carnival. They now make us stand outside the club after immediately after our show to shake hands and thank people for coming. Right. And I hate it. I hate it. Just to me, it's a, I always saw it as a self-serving egotistical thing. Tell me how great I was. Tell me how yeah. wonderful I was. Absorb the praise. And then I talked to a couple comics who kind of, no man, we're just thanking people for coming to the show. And they appreciate that. So this is one of the times where I've been turned around. Uh, you know, I, you know, you try to keep an open mind with things and I, I fought having to stand up there and do it, but now I do it. And I, you know, I, it, people like to say thank you for the show. And if, and, and people want to tell you a joke or pictures and then yep. you just do it. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, I, I, I used to feel like there was times where I'd sit there after a show that I did particularly good. And I'm like, I know I saw say you. Nice I things. saw you this week. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to head downstairs <laughs> to the pub. I'm going to stand here and check out these <laughs> limb- ladies. There is a, I, I used to think, like I said, like it's so self and I stopped doing it for a while because I'm like, yeah, I think the only reason I'm doing it. But the thing is when people come by and they're like, that was so much fun. Like they feel good being able to come up to you and, and talk to you afterwards. Like it does. Cause I mean, if they're going to have a good experience with you, that's like, oh, he, he was nice too. As opposed to like, oh, I didn't see mm-hmm. him. The other guys were out there saying hello. What was, what was with the other guy who didn't want to be seen as he too. I mean, who knows? I just know the things that I may or may not. No, think. no. But so for me now it's, I've turned around with it and I do it and I'm enjoying it. The only problem is as soon as it's done, I wash my hands mm-hmm. immediately. That's a lot of handshaking yep. and germs. And I'm like, don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. As soon as I'm done, I go in the back, <laughs> pop into, there's a sink right behind in the, in the, in the bar area. And they know me like on the conquest, the last ship I was on, I'd walk through hands up like a surgeon going in to wash them and they would all be laughing. And I'm like, like, you wash for 30 seconds. I'm like, two minutes, (laughs) two minutes, 30 seconds. What the hell? You animals. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, I find that stuff. So that's the general rule, but there are areas like crew bars. What you were telling me, we were talking before you're like, there's a crew bar and that's where people work on it. They go in there. They have, there's even like little kind of clicks at times of, yeah, yeah. Well, there's people, I always find it interesting that, you know, people kind of flock together. There's a, uh, it's, it's part of their genetics. I mm-hmm. think it is, is that when you're from, we're, we're tribal people, you want to be in your tribe, but that tribe can only be so big because you can only protect so many people. Right. So to me, it's always funny to watch, you know, the Indonesians hanging out, the Filipinos, you got the Serbians, you got the Italians. The Americans, the Canadians, the British, the Australian, they all kind of, we all kind of mingle. But I try to mingle with everybody. So I I just, you know, you can never, ever have too many friends. Right. And so I think that, you know, I just, I walk down. It's funny because culturally some people aren't as open to friendship. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I walk down the hall. I don't care if you're a a room steward or the captain. I'm like, how you doing? How's your day? Yeah. Good to see you. How are you? And you walk by some of these Eastern European women, um, and they've got that face. They're, they have that look like, I watched my family die. <laughs> and it's like, don't hit on. I'm like, just, I'm just saying hi, walking past. And sometimes right. you can get through to them. Like, like 
uh, there's a couple of bartenders who are waitresses, uh, servers, my apologies, in the club, uh, one of them from Romania, and she would always walk by. And so every time I walked by, I'd just cross my eyes. Just cross my eyes and make a stupid face. And all of a sudden, she's like making faces. I'm like, there you go. So that didn't hurt to smile, does it? Yeah. yeah. It's nice to just break that ice. Like, I, I'm the same way. Uh, if I was ever working on on something, new club, uh, if I was ever on doing a movie sets or or TV shows, anything like that where I know that there's tons of people. Cause I'm afraid to approach people. I don't know what the rules are, what the etiquette is. So I would always just be nice to the crew. You know what I mean? Always the little, the little, because I'm just, I'm like, I'm like, how are you doing? I go, I've, I've been in your shoes. I'm running around this place. Nobody important, even saying hello to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just making sure that the other people who are who are working on this are like, we're good, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're happy. No one's talking to you either. All right, well, let's yeah. talk to each other. No, it's it's uh, it doesn't it, be nice to everybody. You, yeah. you never know who is gonna like. Uh, for example, Felipe is a cruise director. He started out in either housekeeping. Or a bar bar waiter. He started off as a bar waiter, worked his way up to cruise director. Imagine being one of those people who's a you're a dick to him, and then he moves up beyond. So he's like the GM of the ship. Nah, not now. It used to be. Uh, no, no. You have the captain is is the man. So he's not just about navigation and everything like that. He's he's also running a bunch of other shit. Um. I guess it's not like the queen, right? Where he's just a figurehead. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. The captain's got. Like, stuff I know he's got to work do. to do, but I. Just, but he's not like. But we ran out of shrimp on fucking. I'll put it this way. Four. And people at home, you can't see me. I'm using my hands again. I apologize. <laughs> I want you to picture a pyramid. At the top would be the captain, right? And then under him, you'd have to one side the staff captain. Okay. And the other side, the hotel director. Okay. So the staff captain from, and I could be wrong on this. Half of me now is guessing because I don't think I've been asked this question before. But the staff captain, he runs the engineering side, the ship's actual maintenance and getting it from from point A to point B. Hotel director handles everybody who handles guests and entertainment and all that stuff. And then under them, you have the management of different areas. Right. So you have guest service manager, you have the entertainment director who's in charge of the entertainment. Uh, then you have uh, the, the casino. Ooh. Uh, oh yeah. There's casino. And then you have a bar staff, food and beverage, right, all right, that right. stuff. And then everybody has their managers and assistant managers. And right. And then that, from that point, yeah, it trails on. So where does Felipe fit in as cruise director? Where's uh, that guy? Uh, well, he would be, so it would be captain, hotel director. Now it's ED, entertainment director. Right. Which is what he used to be. Okay. What, they, what, they, what Carnival did was used to have assistant uh, cruise director and assistant cruise director. And what they've done is they've kind of combined these two together. So that now one person, the ED, they're they're the background. They handle all the administration, and the cruise director doesn't do any of that anymore. They focus on being the face. So they host okay. the welcome aboard show. They host events. They host deck party. They host game shows like Hasbro the, the game show. They're the Ryan Seacrest of the ship, <laughs> or yeah. the or the Dick Clark. If we go back, but further. you know, it's some it's it's actually. I've I've got to meet and make friends with a lot of cruise directors, and what amazes me, they're just genuinely happy people who enjoy what. And it's it's not easy to always have a smile on your face and to mm-hmm. de- and I've heard I've listened to people bitching at them about 
stuff that sometimes is absolutely true. You're having a bad vac- vacation. This happened. What can we do to fix it? And some people who just look for an excuse. Right. But to to, to watch them handle people is uh, and, and and sincerely handle them like you know and, and care. It's 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 really neat to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it takes uh, an incredible amount of patience and empathy and uh, and even just you know personal restraint at times because a lot of times people are coming out you got to remember they're not mad at me mm-hmm. i don't have to take this personally i don't have to you know take off my 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 hat and go oh you're mad at felipe felipe is not felipe felipe is carnival yeah. i'm representing the company yeah you know so what would us all cumulative <laughs> that's the second time i've whacked the mic oh is that what that was i thought a door yeah. slammed outside <laughs> Uh, and I haven't done that. We got, we got crackles this episode and I'm whacking the mic. Um, I'm sure you're whacking the mic. Everybody caught that. Some people rock the mic. I whack it. Um, there's a, it's just, it's funny to be like, you know what we all cumulatively have as a response for this, this guest or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's so fascinating to me, all the different things. So the only rule is don't fuck the guests, which I would imagine is for liability You can't get too drunk. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's just basic stuff, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, there've been comics who've been let go because they were drinking too much on stage, drinking too much off stage, right? Um, missing the ship, sex with guests. Yeah. I mean, just, you, you keep your head down, you, you, you hang out with the other comic on the good days and you enjoy NASA and. You know, there's the spots I go in these places aren't the spots guests go anymore. When when we're in Nassau, we find this little Chinese food restaurant that we technically shouldn't eat at. And I say that because I've been going there for a, a year now. I've never seen soap in the washroom. They've never had paper towels. They just don't. So I've got to wonder, are they even fucking washing their hands when they, but the food's good and the Wi-Fi works. And that's what go. we're looking for. There's always this, that thing too, is eh? so like whenever you go to new places, you're like, there's the touristy spots, which are going to be inflated prices and everything like that. Yeah. Like, dude, I went to, uh, when I was in New York, I went to the, the Cake Boss Bakery mm. just because I was in Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, when am I, when am I in New Jersey? So I'm like, let's, let's check it. I meant to go to three places, but we just didn't have time. So the closest one was Cake Box, four, 450 per cannoli. In the U.S., that's that's a fucking. That's was it a, a good cannoli? It's a cannoli. It wasn't bad. Yeah, but it was What's a fucking cannoli. Yeah, for four, for four fifty American. Yeah, for a dollar fifty back home at a bakery, you would have Canadian. One yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what really was was like. I was showing up for dinner. Uh, you know, at someone's house. And I was like, oh, I'll show up with cannolis for everybody. I'm like. I just spent twenty five. We're all sharing on a cannoli. Cannolis. Yeah. Oh, everyone got their own. I'm just like that was uh, more than dinner. That's funny. <laughs> but but I got to you know I'm like I saw it. I saw it. it's right across the street. The Cake Boss Bakery is directly across the street from City Hall in Hoboken, mm-hmm. New Jersey. That's that's what I got for my twenty five bucks. Is that that knowledge and how insane it is to park. You can't legally park anywhere for twenty blocks around that place. Yeah. Nowhere. I, we just drove around eventually. I, I was like, Kamar, stay in the car. Yeah. I'm going in <laughs> no. right out front, stay in there. Again, also across from the police yeah. station. I'm like, the cops there, and people are just parking, going, parking, going. I go, fuck it. I'm going to do that. Park, yeah. go no, in, no. And nothing. No, nothing happened. But that's the thing. You find, you find the little places that you go, and you have your favorites in, in Cozumel. Uh, we used to go to Three Amigos, and the guy who ran it there, his name is Chalo, and he treated us well. We would, we, we, what used to happen was I would go to, we'd be on stage going, Hey, tomorrow, everybody, uh, 
join me and my buddy John Wesling. We're going to be at Three Amigos. If you say our Spanish nicknames, mine was um, uh, Oso Polar. Oso Polar. Which is Polar Bear, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his was Senior Burrow. Donkey. You'd get, you'd get a free margarita, right? Now, you don't get a big one, but you get a free little one. Yeah. And so we would go in there and we would drink for free. We would eat for free. And the place would be packed because we would pack it. Right. And then one woman complains that she got roofied at Three Amigos, which they don't have roofies. She drank like 12 tequilas. So then they stopped us from doing that. And they ended up firing Chalo. Mm. And he opened his own place. So we all go to Chalo's Cantina downtown, which is this quaint little place where he has a menu, but it's whatever's fresh that day. And it's and his wife is there. His son works there. His other son's girlfriend who's canadian works there and we that's what's our little place you go you get the wi-fi you eat a good meal you meet other comics from other ships yeah or people come in and it's like a little reunion area it's fun that's awesome how how often do you do that because you're you, you do the seven day thing how often do you do these runs i do about six cruises a month really yeah jesus yeah i guess that does that count as like the three days and three days kind of yeah. thing wow mm-hmm. and so uh, all year round yeah, there's no slow season for cruises. Well, there's that's not true. They're slower, but they're slower. Still, but it's yeah. not. There's no dead season. For no, them. there's no off season. So, and you don't have a, a time of the year where you're like not for this period or. Yeah, no, no, no. This I take my three weeks to do absolute. And uh, this is the last time I'm doing January. Yeah, I did it because of the New Year's. Uh, next time it'll be in, probably in the spring. Um, because I don't, I, I don't know what his rotation is. It'll probably be the spring anyway. It's usually, uh, it, you know, anywhere from eight to eighteen months. Yeah, so I will probably wait till the spring to do it again, and uh, it'll be fun. I take two weeks off in July, every July, two weeks of no comedy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. My agent knows no books. Uh, I couldn't believe I ever could get burnt out doing this, but yeah, you need to take time away. Oh fuck yeah, mm-hmm. and especially like like. Because, I mean, this is another thing that you were telling me about before was the, like, the living quarters on the ships. You know, for crew, it's not like, uh, I would it, imagine even for guests, it's probably not big, luxurious rooms because there's limited space, right? No, no. The, the, you can get, the, some of the guest cabins are beautiful. Um, we don't get those. Uh, we get a nicer crew cabin. Mm-hmm. But some guys bitch. Again, I spent, I spent four years in the Army. My level of comfort uh, can be... Uh, taken care of rather easily is the toilet work mm-hmm. all, I, all i want in my room is a fridge that's it and some some places we do some places we don't and it's annoying when we don't i just want to put some cold water in there i just want to have i just want to have some sparkling water mm-hmm. after my show and i want it cold and i now i try to avoid the crew bar right right you don't want to be in there every night drinking like an idiot do you guys get budgets for anything like that food drinks anything like that or is it just no. No. no, but the crew, I guess it's, yeah, it's cheap to drink in the crew bar. Okay, that's good. Everything's reasonable. No, it's cheap. Okay. Yeah, and and they know how to pour a damn drink. A single is never a single, my friend. It's like going to Vegas? Um, yeah, I, I can't remember when I was in Vegas, but probably. In uh, Vegas, like someone's like, uh, can I get a double? I go, you're an idiot. It, you, you order a drink, they turn the bottle upside down and just keep holding it upside down while they're <laughs> filling the glass. And then when it's full, they stop. And even when I got a couple drinks at, at Absolute in Ottawa, and Jason will probably be happy to hear this one, I don't think I got a full shot. He was, I, I, and I can eyeball a shot, and that was not a shot. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to say anything. 
Uh, and it wasn't Al. Al knows how to pour a drink. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but on the ship, we're exchanging glances. Right? You're on a <laughs> silent ship. understanding. Like, Come on, man. Yeah, I'm well, tipping. I heard him the other night uh, on the phone with somebody. He doesn't listen to the podcast. Who? He's got Jason. He's oh. got he's got gambling and sleeping to do. Um, but uh, he uh, he was uh, telling someone he's like, you know, they they would he wanted to use some smart pour system or whatever, and he goes, every all the bartenders are complaining that it doesn't work or whatever. And so what they would do is they would like fill a shot glass. He wants to know it's an ounce. Fill a shot glass and then pour it into the drink. And he was complaining that they don't turn the bottle upright before they dump the shot. He goes, so as they're dumping the shot, it's still pouring out into it. So he's like, everyone's getting an extra quarter ounce. It's like so he was like calming down on them hard so whomever was pouring for but you people, i don't know how they were doing yeah it. but people who get regular drink like uh, you put a little bit extra that comes back on you that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying yeah the people appreciate that it's funny because for years and i'm not trying to run down the sponsor but again he's never gonna know um don't say that what someone's gonna be like uh we played this recording just for you no, okay jay knows i tell great. him and i tell jay is awesome he's, he's a very close friend but um the idea is uh he wouldn't have the, the no uh, water water bottle you know or only only water bottle drink service no free free glasses of water you know when people get upset about that, they're like why we have to buy a bottle of water we can't just have a glass of water jason's like ah oh, people are cheap i go you don't understand they think you're cheap they think that you won't give them something for free because you're trying to make the money off mm-hmm. it so it's funny how like the back and forth i'm like it ends up hurting you more but again it's not it does my place. take away from People getting their regular drinks too. Well, that's, and that's the thing too is if, if they're running around to give free glasses of water all night, the servers are going to be a lot more busy. So it's kind of like if you if you need it and you're willing to pay for it, then then here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, everything like I said, I find the the cruise ship stuff fascinating. The the last thing I guess we'll we'll get close to wrapping up because we have been uh, been chatting for a while is uh, you were mentioning some of the the other acts that you've seen on the show how. How while you spend all that time writing and, and making sure that you establish out and having different shows, everything like that you've worked over the years with a lot of people you say that are just wasting time. No, no, I, I say wasting time. It's like they're kill- when they come up on stage and they're like, hey, you know, oh, yeah. oh, like the. Well, no, there are some there are some comics who uh, they just I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I've worked with a lot of people on ships who are fantastic to mm-hmm. work with. And I love going out and seeing them because they're friends and there's always something new. And then there's some comics and this is true on land. And it seems to be a generational thing where the older comics, you, you hit 45 and you were done. Right. You made it. And you could just, you could, every year you'd go back to a club, you'd do that same 45. It's not the case anymore. Right. You know, people are, if they're your fans, they want to see, I mean, they want the hits. Of course. Right. I go to a, you know, are you going to do the towel vagina? I, I get that. I always mean to ask you to show me how to do that too. Mm-hmm. I forget. All the time. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's one of those things, but, uh, well, the story you told me last week was about one guy. Uh, you, I can't remember if you'd said it's either something habitually he had done or, or was known for, or it's a hacky thing where they basically make you restart the show. I know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but I mean, I've, I've seen that trick many times. And that's the thing is there's tricks to comedy, right? Right. You can tell jokes, which is perfect. And then there's a time where you want to get the audience up. So you pander a little. Right. And then there's a point where you cheerlead just a little bit. And then you, you keep your jokes going, right? But some people have developed a way and a knack and a habit of just pandering and cheerleading. So people are clapping a lot during the show, but they're not laughing. Right. And to me, it's just a trick. And good on you if you figured out a way to do it. 
but people don't necessarily remember you as much. No, all you've done is develop that Pavlovian effect where they're, where they're clapping and cheering. Yeah. So they're almost like, you got I, I had a good, I had a good time. Wait, did I? Like, but you said, but if you stop somebody, but did, did you, you, did you yeah. have a good time? Did you, you know, do you, you remember you laughing clap? or did you just clap and cheer a lot? I'm like, come on. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the United States is the greatest country in the world. And the Americans are all clapping. Yeah. You know, how many people, how many people are married? Who, who loves the person they're married to? Yeah. Right. Who's happy? And it just all these questions with the clapping. And what's funny is sometimes, to me, the best part is when a comic who does that is now in a room that maybe has thirty people, and they're spread out. Yeah. And that thirty-minute show is fifteen minutes in, and they're like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do now?" Right. Yeah. I I'll just go up and tell jokes. <laughs> I don't care how many. There's be one of you. I'm going to tell my jokes. It's going to be awkward for both of us. Yep. But there'll uh, be some laughter. Same as sex. It's going to be awkward for both of us. I'm still <laughs> just telling jokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter the situation with the expression. I'm just telling jokes. That's funny. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Now you are here. This episode comes out on Friday. So we're chatting on the hell's day, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, this episode comes out tomorrow morning. It's going to be, well, it's available at midnight. So you feel free to point people in the direction of it at midnight. They can listen. I hope uh, anyone who's in the Kingston area, um, come see Jason. Jason's a great comic. I've, I've worked with him many times. A great person too. Sometimes guys are great comics. Not as easy. You're well aware too, Jay. We're not but, talking about that anymore. Uh, but Jay's, Jay's a great comic. And, and that's the thing is even if you come to, you know, there's only, there's only three shows left. Uh, Jeez, Friday, there'd be two. There'd two. Be one show Friday, yeah. one show Saturday. Don't miss your opportunity to see Jason because, again, he's not even on the continent for most of the year. Yeah. So get the, don't miss the opportunity to see him. Are you uh, Toronto next the, year? Toronto, Toronto next week. Next week? Okay. So I'm in Toronto this week, guys, and Jason is in Toronto next week. Again, all Toronto listeners, you have the entire week to to make a reservation. Guys, go to absolutecomedy.ca uh, just to, to streamline you getting reservations for Kingston or Toronto. Um, Great comic, funny shows. Again, you could see him twice in a week and probably not see the same jokes. If you come, if let me know. That's the thing is, if you come to Kingston or Toronto, you say, listen, I'm going to come tonight and tomorrow. I will do two different shows, but I got to know you're going to do that. Yeah. How can people uh, link up with you? Do you have a- JasonBlanchard.com is my website, and that links to all my social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. That's outstanding, man. Uh, thanks for for sharing the stories with me and taking the time. I appreciate you getting well, thanks for having the me. podcast. I look forward to uh, to hearing new and, and and exciting stories next time we meet, buddy. We'll have fun. Don't work too hard, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Next time. <laughs>